Well, hey, everybody. I'm Dave Pack. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Hi, I'm Bill. What's your name? There's an intro I have to read. If you're going to, yes, this is part, we're, we're, we're guests. This isn't our podcast. Yeah, we're guests. guests. Trips to win. Yes, that means they have to treat us nicely, please. <laughs> yes. But don't be rude. Let me at least read the open. I can't even get a word in and you're already interrupting. So let What's me at your least name again this. and what are you doing here? And, yeah. I'm here to just let the two of you, and I'll let people know who the two of you are here in just one second. So this is uh, Sports Rivals. It's brought yeah. by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do professionals. you? Whoa, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> so our purpose here is to preserve the memories of classic sports rivalries, and we do so through the words of those who participated in them. So I, I got a question to... already. Yes. I'm not a rival of Bill Lee. I'm a teammate. I'm a servant. Well, I'm a Sherpa. This is the I'm, name I'm a water the boy. I wanted to be a Bruin. I like Dan. Billy, Billy you didn't go to UCLA. We had a good baseball team. We didn't have Rod Dato. No, you didn't. You had uh, you had some good ball players. Yeah, like who? <laughs> uh, I played for the uh, New York Yankees. Came from Cleveland. Reggie Jackson? No, Jackson came from Arizona oh. State, another conference of champion school. He oh, came okay. money. So, he so came guys, money. before before you guys start, I have to tell people who you are. They can't see you. This is an audio podcast. You probably recognize Look, our audience can see. <laughs> you may not be able to see. What's your name again? So G. Right. You got. Bill, Bill I must Walton. warn you that this guy is a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. So you got oh Bill Walton, God. and then we got the other Bill, Bill Spaceman Lee. So you got Bill Walden, NBA champ, multiple NCAA champs, uh, multiple Player of the Years in college basketball, NBA MVP, NBA Finals MVP. You got Bill Spaceman Lee, who played Major League Baseball with the Expos and Red Sox for 14 years. He's in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, and he played baseball at USC. And let him the Hall of Fame of life. National a time traveler, and I've had to wear a special shirt today so I can keep location here. I'm a big geography guy, and I never can really quite figure out where Bill is, much less where he's going. And so here's a situation where I have to wear a shirt that has a map of the universe on it, just so I can keep sticking push pins into it. And I hope that this Kevlar shirt will not fail me and I'll be at the end of the day littered with puncture wounds throughout my entire upper body. Please <laughs> save me. D, D, D. How come you didn't go to UCLA, Bill? Uh, my father did. And he said he wanted, I wanted to go to Oregon, University of Oregon. I wanted to be a duck. Nice. And black, forest ranger. I wanted to be a forest ranger, and uh, and I remember Lasorda said that he said, "I remember you. You're that asshole that wanted to be a forest ranger, and you pitched at USC." I said, "You're a steel trap, Tommy." And I'm a forest ranger. I love the forest. I love plants. Yeah, I love eat them. I love to grow them. I love to bathe myself with their leaves. And I love to just sit underneath a big tree and just inhale everything. Ah, that's where the oxygen comes from, Tiger. Oxygen, yes. 
they take carbon dioxide and they convert it. In the middle of the night, their leaves turn over and they replenish our lungs and we can breathe. Without the forest, without the Amazon, we all die. How, how are your lungs doing, Bill? <coughs> well, I have, I have had asthma and hay fever for three weeks, but I've pitched four league games. I'm 4-0. I have an ERA of 0.29. I'm throwing harder than I've ever thrown before. It's just that the ball doesn't quite get there as quick. This sounds like a sports center update to me. No, I'm I'm still playing. I, I if I don't play, I don't get paid. Ever since the Red Sox sent me to Montreal and then I got in the fight with Jim Fanning and got released and got blackballed, I've not been able to work a day in the major league. So that was kind of weird how the how the Red Sox sent you on your way. I mean, you were a really big part of that team and it was fantastic. Yeah, that's Don Zimmer and Haywood Sullivan and Mr. Yawkey had died at the play. We had the strike. I'm the player rep. You know, I'm a Eugene Debs guy. I was always, uh, you know, I'm a very Terre Haute, Indiana. Terre Haute. I've been there. I've been to the Terre Haute Museum for Eugene Debs. Took Larry Bird there. Had a fantastic time. That's great. Good for you. You can educate that bird every once in a while. Good what for you. The name of that Irving Stone book that was, that he wrote about Eugene Debs? I don't know it. Uh, hey, D, why don't you look that up real quick? Uh, oh, that's a fiction book? Uh, Irving don't. Stone on Eugene Debs. Uh, oh, I can see it. Yeah, no. If there's a lower class, I am of it. If there's a criminal element, I am with it. As long as there's not a free soul in prison, I am, you know, he, he was an amazing man. He ran for president, got millions of votes while he was in federal prison, all because he was a pacifist during World War I. People don't realize if Eugene Debs had been elected president, there would never have been World War II, World War I, or the conflict that we're in right now. So how did you get the nickname Spaceman and and how did you get it away from Bill Walton? That that seems like a more appropriate nickname for Walton. First of all, this Bill is younger than that Bill. And so he was there first. I was there. I am. I love Bill. I love Wooden because he taught me how to put on my socks. I wanted to. I loved Billy Kilmer coming out of the single wing. I loved (laughs) Blue and Gold. I was Blue and Gold in high school. But the problem was I was a Trojan. So then I go to the red and gold and I'm still a Trojan, you know, and uh, South Carolina is red and gold and they're the Gamecocks. And, and, if and how, elected, how and why did your family move from Southern California to Northern California for your high school years? It was amazing. My father played ball too. And he was an engineer with the telephone company and came up with coax cable and they ran the underground cable between LA and San Francisco. And he was, he was the head engineer on it. And the funny thing is the cable ended up in San Francisco. And so did I. Coax. Is that a disease? No, it's it's where you use plastic to to join the wires so that uh, it was the precursor to fiber optics. He worked for uh, telecom and he worked for Western electric and uh, he was a, he, he was self-taught at UCLA, and he was a lineman in World War II, fought on Okinawa and Tinian, and uh, doesn't talk about it. How's your wiring these days? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm, 
I cannot believe I just wrote a poem to my uh, three doctors, Curlin, Job, and uh, my doctor up in Montreal. And I can't even remember his name now. And he put two titanium pins in my arm after I got hurt playing basketball up here in the winter during a blizzard. I was playing in my Sorel boots, got my feet entangled, got thrown to the ground, brust, busted my shoulder up, and uh, and uh, he put two titanium pins, and I'm still pitching. So when you say up there, where is there? Where is up that? Is that past Jupiter? Or is that still on the near side of Saturn? 22 miles from Quebec. I live Saturn. 22 miles Quebec border. Yeah, it's a, it's a jamais sauvien. It's a, everybody here has got the bon ton roulé. It's half the people where I live are French. So how did a Southern California guy who went to USC, went to high school in Northern California, I was in Marin, correct? Yeah, yeah, San Rafael. And and then, oh, San Rafael, 20 Front Street, you know, headquarters of the Grateful Dead forever, Fifth and Lincoln, <laughs> the corporate offices. Oh, my gosh. The meetings we used to have there. But then you you end up, are you in Canada or in Vermont? And speaking I'm, of Vermont, Vermont, how's Ben and Jerry? And, and, and I how's, am, Bernie, how's Bernie doing up there? I worked for Bernie Sanders. I worked when I came here. I was the ride arranger. I used to wear a cape and shame people into carpooling to try and save gas. I was always an environmentalist. And uh, well, he was that guy. You're that guy who, who thinks it's important to have respect for the planet Earth and concern for the welfare of your fellow human species and the rest of life on this big rock here. Were you guys in Boston together at any point or no? Massachusetts. We I were got to Boston in 1985. Yeah. I believe Bill was already gone. Oh, I was I was gone out of baseball in '82. I got kicked out of baseball in '82 for trying to fight a guy named Jim Fanning, who challenged me to the fight in the first place, and I accepted the challenge. And then I get released because I accepted the challenge. So I was You've always stood up for your teammates, Bill. And one of the things that I admire most about you is that when push comes to shove, you're always right there. And the, and the way down in uh, in Puerto Rico and Venezuela and all these other places that you've been in Boston and Montreal, when your teammates were facing a tough challenge and were trying to stand up to the absurdity and the nonsense that comes out of some people's mouths and brains and pores, there was Bill Lee standing Thank right there and saying, hey, we're not going to take this anymore. This Thank is just not right. I've always been a unionist. I've always been on the side of the less fortunate. And thank you for saying that because, you know, that's why I'm still playing. I still play because I get people out and I love to compete, you know? And I mean, I'm not afraid to drill people. And that's, uh, that's the good thing. You gotta be aggressive with the ball. So tell us about this playing that you're doing here. I, I'm very concerned. I mean, I'm 68, which makes you, I believe 72 and, and you're still playing baseball. I'm 74. 74. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're, and, you're, but you're, tall. you're tall. Gravity pushes on your head a lot sooner than it pushes on my head. So you have to you have to strike the horse, bend down, and use your legs to keep your spinal column intact. You know, tall people 
I saw an, a, a special documentary on a guy named Big Country who played for the uh, yeah, Oklahoma State and then the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yes. In where, a, where gravity fails you and negativity won't pull you through. That, and he, this little Vietnamese girl who did her documentary, it was precious. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, it's I haven't. A, it's you got to see it. It's it's so heartwarming. She is she's a, a yeah. But he's a the girl is a basketball star who couldn't make it in college because she was too small. And to see I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that too small stuff because anytime somebody says I'm too small to play basketball, I just tell them look at Steve Nash. Yeah. Look, look at, at Spud Webb. Look at Chris Paul. Yeah, Paul playing better than he's ever played. He's thirty-six years old. Yeah, gravity doesn't affect him. Yeah, gravity doesn't affect him like it does you. It hits you. I'm six foot three, you know, but I do yoga. I work out every morning at six o'clock with a ballerina from Edmonton, Alberta, on public uh, public TV. Her name is Miranda Esmond White, and the irony is she's from she's seventy-one. She's from Edmonton, and my wife, Diana, is 60, and she's from Calgary, Alberta. (laughs) I've been to to Calgary, and I've been to Edmonton, and I've been to Banff and Jasper and Lake Louise and all those places in one of the most interesting and wildest trips that I've ever been on. Good for you. I've had plenty of high-altitude training. (laughs) I, I love to get up there as high as I can and then just start breathing really deep. Now. I'm limited in what yoga I can do, and I have to do all mine in the swimming pool or when I'm lying down. Is hydro? Yeah, good for you. Hydrotherapy. That's what I do. I do. Uh, I I just do a basketball stance where I I crab to the left, I crab to the right, I keep my hands up, I circle them around, and play defense. And uh, and I stay in the pool. And you're right. Hydrotherapy is big in my life too. And crabs. Uh, I try to stay away from the crabs. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I try to save my working out for Lori, but she, Lori's not an early riser. I, I'm up with the dawn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do, you have, do, you have a, do you have a shellfish injury? Crabs <laughs> in Baltimore are really good. Man. Yes. Yeah, those are the That's soft. Creek Bay. Oh, my goodness. Blue crabs are the best, aren't they? Oh, brickies. There was obrickies on the on the waterfront, and I used to eat there all the time. Kind I used of, to love the railroad museum there in the in the downtown the old harbor there in Baltimore. And there was a libra- library there on the street. And the guy that ran the library, he used to work with uh, who's the guy on the the guy who got punched in the stomach and died. He was a oh, um, uh, the musician. Yeah, the no, the he was a musician. Yeah, the great pain last night that got slapped across the face by the Joker. <laughs> What's that? That wrestling? Uh, no, basketball. Was, That's uh, NBA playoffs. It was oh, a crime wow. against human decency. There, Nikola Jokic, Bill Spaceman. Are you familiar with him, Nikola Jokic? Yeah, I heard the name. Did he? Got what he? Excellent fra- player, but he crossed the boundaries last night. And, uh, oh, found fragrant plow, huh? It was very disappointing. He got ejected, deservedly so. Tried to hurt uh, somebody. So, Spaceman. Space there are people that think that he is the best passer for his size since Bill Walton. Wow. Well, that's good. You know, he's the Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky was the greatest backdoor passer. My grandson, Brandon Burks, 
plays, uh, he's a freshman, plays varsity in, in, at a church in Jackson. And this kid is, uh, he thinks he's Steph Curry, likes to throw it up, but his key is he knows where all the rebounds are going. You know, he's got the nose of uh, a Rodman and a Dennis, uh, Dennis Johnson when he played. He was uh, just spectacular defensive guard. And That's all about the anticipation. Yeah, it That's is where the true skill in life comes in. And one of the things that I loved about the way you pitched, Bill, was that the batter was trying to anticipate what you were going to do. And how could he ever figure out what you were going to do when it didn't appear to me that you had any idea of what you were going to do? That's exactly right. I don't. I threw yesterday. I struck out the best player in the league. At first, I got him on a changeup, and he hit a bomb to center field, but he got under it, and my center fielder caught it, ran it down. There was no fences. I love to pitch in parks with no boundaries. And the second time up, I got him with another changeup, and he goes back to the bench, and I watch him go back, and he's looking at me. The next time up, I get to three and two on him, and I throw him a hanging changeup, and he swings and misses. The last time up in the eighth inning, I am gassed. It's 82 degrees, and he comes up, and I go three and two. We have 11-pitch contest. He almost kills four fans. I throw him a changeup inside, and he ripped it and almost killed his parents. And uh, That's not a good thing. Yeah. And three and two, I get out, I take a breath, and I throw a high heater right by him. He swings right through it. And I just raise my hands. And this is 74 years old, and I can't believe I'm still doing this. And, and you won the game. I won, I'm 4-0. I, can't, I beat the two top teams in the league, and we sucked two years ago. Now COVID comes, and I'm like reborn. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I got to call Bernie Carbo and call all these fake saints I know. Louis Tiant. Louis Tiant, he's a good guy. Too. Now, is Louis still alive? Louie, I pitched a one nothing shutout the weekend before, and I drove all the way to his house, got him and Maria out of their house, and took them to uh, Angelino's, a really nice Italian restaurant, and took them out to uh, dinner. And then I went back and jumped in a hot swimming pool in 42-degree weather. It was – I had the best day of my life. So where does Louis Tiant live now? Does he still live in New England? Wells. Wells Beach. Uh, Wells Beach, Maine, between Algonquin and – and uh, Kenny Bunkport, where Bush lived. No, I've been there. Yeah, I've been in that stretch. That's beautiful up there. Beautiful bike riding up there. Are you so, still making the bats? Hmm. What are was that? Still, are you still making the baseball bats? I do make baseball bats, but I'm a terrible salesman. You know, I I look at them and they're so beautiful. I don't want to get rid of them. It's uh, <laughs> it's I have this hoarding disease. I think it is. <laughs> Let's get back to sports because I think people want to learn more about kind of your guys' experience in Boston. What was it like to play? What was the best thing about playing for the Red Sox, Bill Spaceman, and Bill Walton? What was the best thing about playing for the Celtics? The team, the people, the yeah. tradition, the culture, the leadership. You know, we had Red Auerbach and nobody else did. Yeah. We had Bill Russell. We had Dave Cowens and John Havlicek and nobody else did. We had Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and nobody else did. And then we had the Celtic fans and nobody else did either. And so it was just fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, Bill Russell's the greatest athlete that ever played. He would He would let you play a little bit in the beginning of the game and then he would take it away in the last five minutes. He was the best defensive player I ever saw. And 
It's something about New England. They landed on a hard rock. The Indians that kept them alive, but they are the curmudgeonous, toughest fans in the world, but they live in a tough environment. It's New England's tough. It ain't San Diego. It ain't 68 every, you know, day, every, uh, every day of your life. It's 76 but, inside here today, right now. Oh, wow. That's I have a, to have a thermometer so I know which kind of clothes to put on. But uh, fortunately, I have my roadmap on tonight. and I've got 16 different push pins already pushed through. Yeah, the, you're, you're, you're wearing clothes. I, for a change. I, I'm bleeding profusely right now. Yeah, breathing is the most important thing. Breathing, then drinking water. You know, those are the two. Both of those, yes, constantly. Yeah, and the the funny thing is, is cleansing cleansing breath. You always have to exhale more than you inhale, and that is yoga, and that's what relaxes you and allows your muscles to expand and stretch and keeps you going. And uh, so, so how do you relax in the face of nonsense, in the face of absurdity, in the face of uh, somebody who has a position who doesn't deserve it, and all of a sudden now they have your fate in their hands. It's like, oh my gosh, what now? You got to defeat them with humor. You know, you got to, you got to basically use humor against them. Remember the court jester is the only person that can make a fun of the King and still keep his head. And I think that that is why I've always been the way I am. I may rip you and everything else, but I'm quick-witted, and that allows me to uh, escape the guillotine. What was Fenway Park like for you, Bill? I've been there a number of times for some of the greatest concerts of my life. But uh, the last time I was there for a baseball game, I was a guest of Reggie Jackson in 1986, and I was on the Celtics. And uh, I'm a huge Reggie Jackson fan, and, and known him since I was in college, and he had invited uh, – me and the boys down to the game. He was playing for the Angels, and they were playing the Red Sox in the best of five something. I don't know what they call it, but it was a playoff game. And we get there, and Reggie's couldn't have been nicer to us, and we have fantastic seats right on top of the dugout there. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting during the entire game, and Reggie never gets in the game. And at the end of the game, they asked the manager, I can't remember who it was. He asked the manager, well, how come you didn't play Reggie Jackson? You lost the game. He said, well, there was just no room for Reggie Jackson. And when I found out that the manager said there was no room for Reggie Jackson, I quickly realized that this was not the place for me to be. Wow. That, that must have been in 86 or I don't know how long he played, but it wasn't 78 because he played in 78. You know, the 80s then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I was at those games too. Yeah. Um, you, when was your first year in Boston? Uh, 85, I got there. Yeah, that's 85. I was I was already in New Brunswick, Canada. I was up in Nouveau Brunswick. I had a, uh, a house in Shadiac in the lobster capital. They gave me a house in town. They paid me $500 a week, and I coached and taught up there and brought my family. And uh, I love New Brunswick, Canada. And So, so what about Rod Dado? Tell, uh, oh, how did you and Rod get along there? Rod is I have a picture of Rod and I sitting on my mantle with my arm around him right before he died. And I tell you, he lived right next to, to uh, Casey Stingle. They both lived in Glendale. They lived right down from the park named after Casey Stingle. 
And uh, Rod was, uh, he was amazing. He played for Branch Rickey. No, he didn't play for Branch Rickey. He played for jo- John McGraw for the New York Giants, hurt his back, came to California, became a trucking magnet, and took the job at USC for $1 a year and won all those national championships. He was, they called him, a guy named Hall from the LA Times called him the Houdini of Bovard. He had more comeback wins. We were down three to nothing in the final game of a two out of three series. We were split at Cal State LA. We had two strikes on Ramshaw. We had nobody on base. They were popping champagne and Rod pointed it out and we came back and beat tied it up in the ninth three, three, I had pitched Friday night. He said, Lee, go down and warm up. I threw three warm-up pitches. I came in the game. I shut him down in the top of the 10th, and we won it in the bottom of the 10th. We go to Omaha. This man could coach. He. What were some of the elements of his coaching styles and techniques that made him so unique, so different, and so great? Like Wooden, he was a perfectionist. He would – 20 minutes he had spent at each base telling you what could happen at this base. And he never forgot a play. He had eyes in the back of his head and he had an amazing knack for putting the right guy in at the right time. You know, he had, I don't know how he did it, but he was, when he spoke, you listened and you believed in him and you came back. We were, I was pitching for the against the angels in Anaheim and the SC was playing Minnesota in the College World Series. And they were down 8 nothing. And I'm pitching, and they showed the line score, and it showed Minnesota 1-3, blah, 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 blah. It goes down SC, 0-0-0-0-0-0-0-9. They scored 9 in the ninth against Dave Winfield. And I'm on the mound, and I'm scuffling. I'm, I'm sucking pond water. And the next three innings, I was – all of a sudden, my adrenal glands kicked in, and I threw like I got nine outs in a row. I was dealing. Nothing like adrenaline. So how do you deal with the challenges of playing for such a wonderful coach in Rodato, and then all of a sudden you get to some guys who are full of themselves oh. and think it's, about the, it's oh. about the coach and the strategy and everything as opposed to the players and their talents? It's hard. It's it's hard. When I got to Montreal, Dick Williams was my manager. Dick Williams brought me to the big leagues. Dick Williams is in the Hall of Fame. Dick Williams is a curmudgeon and a tough guy, but boy, could he manage and use. He could beat you in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning better than anybody I ever saw. I love and, Dick Williams. He was a manager of my Padres here. Can you come back and play for our Padres? I would love to. I, right now, I'm throwing so good, I should be pitching for the Red Sox. They just broke a record yesterday. They gave up eight home runs in one ball game. They broke the record for most home runs ever given up. I tell you, it's hard to hit me because I don't throw hard enough and I put the ball in good spots. You know, you got to hit me out in the triangle at 420 feet away, and that's a long way to hit a turd. Did you play other sports? Basketball, huh? football, soccer. I was a freshman. I, I tried out for the freshman team at USC in 65. And uh, I, I got sick and Rod Dato found out about me and told me, Bill, you're not playing basketball. No, my first love, I, well, like I said, I hurt my shoulder up here. I play basketball on Wednesday nights. I can hit eight out of 10 free throws. You know, there's, I'm like, uh, what was it? 
who's the guy that you had the at US UCLA could shoot from the corners all Mitch the time? Shackelford, the left-hander. That was me. That is why over the telephone wires in his backyard where he developed his art. That's that's me. That's my ethos pitch. I wish I was. I should have been a Bruin. So did you ever play against Kareem? Because you're the same age. I you know, I could have sworn I played against him in a in a scrimmage or something early in the year. And I was remembered. I promise you. You (laughs) wouldn't have remembered. Yeah. No, I I I have a dream about you that I helped you change your oil in a Volkswagen bus in San Anselmo. It's a reoccurring dream. That's not a dream that happened. I remember. I was having car trouble. Yes, you were having car trouble up in the eucalyptus trees. I didn't understand in the early days that cars needed maintenance. You know, I'm just not a car guy. I'm I'm a car guy. I'm a bike rider and and all of a sudden, man, my car stopped running. And then somebody came by and said, you got to put some oil in this thing if you're going to have it go some more. And that was you. And I remember San Anselmo. Oh, my gosh. And that bike ride, that you come up from, say, Cavallo Point there, right at the base of Golden Gate Bridge and on the North Marin yeah. County side. And you come up through all the bike paths and the neighborhoods and you come through all the towns. And then you, you get up to uh, San Anselmo and it swings left and you go out to, through Fairfax. And then, yeah. and then on the way, point raise, wide open spaces. Let's go. Nicasio. Yeah, that's Nicasio <laughs> Schoolhouse. Yeah, yeah, my catcher lives in that house. Steve Soggy. Not Steve Soggy. He was at SC. Rocky Schoen. Rocky Schoen lives in that house with his, his wife is 60 years old and a, 70. What, she's 70 and she runs 50 miles Along the Appalachian Trail. What I'm a glad you bring your fact checker with you, Bill. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, she's 60, I'm 74. You know, I can hide my own Easter eggs in about four years. <laughs> oh my god. But I do have a steel trap for a memory. That's amazing. That's what gets me in trouble. I think my memory has gotten me in more trouble because I don't know when to no, I there's a filter on me. That's not your it's not your memory, it's your honesty. Oh, well. It's your life experience. It's having been shown brilliance and excellence as a child in the wonders and the glories of life and nature, Southern California. And then you, you get out there and you start seeing other stuff. You have someone like the parents that you had, and then someone like Rod Dado. And the experiences you had along the way, and then you're not going to settle for anything less than that all along the watchtower and the rest of the way. All along the watchtower, yeah, boy. Wow. How many bats? How many bats a year do you make? I make about 150 now of my own that I sell personally on the. You know, out of the back of my car, but my Louis, Louis, I know Louis, guys that sell things out of the back of their car too. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Hey, so if I Ortiz used your bat, uh no, Ortiz used my bat. No, no, uh, Tatis for the Padres. No, Tatis doesn't. I'm the Axis Bat Company, and uh, it's Axis A X I S. We're out of. Uh, we're out of Fall River, Massachusetts. Louis Ledoux makes the bats, and I help him, and I provide the wood. 
The problem is the wood up here where I am is too dense. It's too heavy. And we can't get it down to professional grade weight. That's what and, they say about me all the time. Too dense and too heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that we're still out there. It's good. It's good to be on the other side of the earth, I'll tell you. Well, before we let you guys go, because we do have to wrap it up here. I am Why curious. do we have to go? I am curious because I don't know how much more where you, where I can Where are you going? You got another uh, conspiracy theorist meeting or something? or? You guys, you guys have a, a Grateful Dead connection? Because obviously Bill Walton is, is... I'm a deadhead. A deadhead. Are, are oh, you no. a deadhead, Bill Bill Lee? Well, I'm, I live right down from the uh, Tarpon, uh, with the Terrapin uh, restaurant, right there on the water canal in San Rafael. All I right. go in and eat in their restaurant all the time, you know, and... Uh, so that's I'm, Bill Lesh's restaurant, the Terrapin Crossroads, and it's fantastic. Yeah. And they took yeah. this old Italian restaurant and they turned it into this sanctuary, this, this safe haven, this temple, this mecca, this church, this religious shrine that is just yes. over the top spectacular. And now that we're able to get out and get going again after COVID, then it's going to be wonderful to get back there, see Phil, see Jill, see the whole family and the bands that they have playing there all the time. What a fun time. That's And that's just across the canal from where... Uh, uh, from where 20 Front Street was, which was uh, a, a, a legendary uh, oh, yeah. religious experience. San Rafael, wow. Yeah, I was raised there and Pete's great boulevard. Let's go. Oh. I if where you're where you broke down in those eucalyptus trees in San Anselmo, if you go north, you right. go over the bridge of that mountain, you drop right down into my valley called Terralinda. I lived in Terralinda on that side. And uh yeah, we're joined at the hip. Uh all bills are the same. We're all Williams, you know, and uh and I understand you're the third. I'm a third. I'm I, a third. I did not know that. I'm wow. And my dad wanted a fourth, big time. And I was too young and I was too dumb not to do it for him because he did everything for me. And he, never, know, he never asked me for anything, never. And I, I offered everything to him. I said, whatever you want, dad, mom. My mom's still alive. She's 94. She still lives in the same house we all grew up in. She's been there for 69 years. Wow. And here's a situation where my parents that they were just the finest people ever. No interest in sports, but they just gave me the greatest life ever. And, uh, you know, my dad, he did ask me for one thing, and it was baseball tickets to that 1978 World Series between the Dodgers and the Yankees. And so I called Reggie, and Reggie said, come on, let's go, Bill. And uh, Reggie was hitting home runs literally every time <laughs> up to bat. And he just, yes, he did. Yes, that, he was did. A sh that, that was a showman right there. Uh, yeah. When I, when I think of showman, I, because this guy, you know, this shaman here, uh, this D guy uh, who, who keeps trying to cut us off. Uh, I, I'm reminded we started this show, which I believe was today. And uh, we started with a song. I can see clearly now. And I'm a huge Jimmy Cliff fan. And whenever I need some help, whenever I need some inspiration, whenever I need to recover, uh, you put on Jimmy Cliff, you put on John Fogarty, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Grateful Dead, Jackson Brown, you name it. And I listen to it. And uh, I've been super, super lucky to, yeah. to know all these people over the course of my 68 years. 
And one time we were at the Belly Up, which is a church here in Solana Beach, uh, just north of town in San Diego, but it's all one town now. And a magnificent place. And Jimmy was playing all night long. And wow. the concert just went on endlessly. And it's a very small place, you know, a couple hundred people. I don't know what the number is. Uh, so here it was. Everybody's having the time of their life. The show finally ends. And, and everybody's just exhausted. And I go find a chair and I'm just sitting down. And then I finally move up and sit on the edge of the stage because that was a better chair height for me. And yeah. so I'm sitting there and everybody's leaving and everybody's just like, wow, what a show, what a night. The drummer from the band comes out to me and he, and he sits down next to me and he starts talking. And, and he says, finally, he said, hey, Bill, you know, why don't you come backstage and talk to Jimmy? He'd love to say hi to you. And I looked at him and I was just so tired and it was late and Lori and we had a bunch of other friends with us. And I looked over at them and they were wanting to go. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to have to do it the next time. And there's never been a next time. No. That was one of the biggest mistakes of my life was not going back there and saying hi to Jimmy. And we don't know now with COVID if Jimmy's going to be coming back. We sure hope. And for any folks who are having trouble out there and you're having trouble seeing clearly and you're sitting in limbo and you're trying to figure out how you're going to keep from falling, uh, Jimmy Cliff, man, he is the antidote to so many of our problems. Just turn it up, and just bathe yourself in the music the way that you bathe yourself in the wisdom of Bill Lee here today. Wow. Oh my God, what a trip down memory lane. This has been spectacular. God damn it. This has been entertaining, guys. Appreciate the time. Thank you. you What's your name again? Yeah. Uh, this ends another chapter of the Sports Rivals. You can find the show at Believe.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. To learn more about this one and other episodes, please log on to SportsRivals.com as you can join the conversation with questions and suggestions for future shows. Also, follow on Instagram at the Sports Rivals, Twitter at Rivals underscore podcast, and Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. Thank you, and always remember, the rivalries do make the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.